Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Top Stories. I'm producer Chris. Now, you might think we've been waiting a while for an election here in the UK, but back in May 2012, Egyptians were going to the polls in a very, in a very long, that's long, awaited election. It's Bugle Issue 195. Top Story this week, vote like an Egyptian. (laughs) Andy, for thousands of years... Voting like an Egyptian used to mean basically not voting at all, or trying to vote and getting hit with big sticks. But the Bangles weren't as willing to write a song about that, were they? <laughs> Probably because the accompanying dance was a bit less jaunty, as it involves acting like you were being rhythmically beaten down to the floor before being dragged away. <laughs> but not anymore. Because this week, Egyptians have been voting like they're never going to get to do it again, which may be a slight depressing possibility. But let's be positive, Andy. Just over a year ago, Egypt began a revolution that would eventually drive Hosni Mubarak from power. The power that he'd been clinging to like an increasingly angry limpet. And just to put this into perspective, there was one American commentator this week that pointed out that these may be the first free elections in 7,000 years of Egyptian history. (laughs) 7,000 years! That's a long time to be sitting on the bench of democracy, Andy, watching from the sidelines, desperate to rip off your tearaway pants and get in the game. (laughs) Put me in, coach! I can do this! Give me a ballot paper and I'll shove it in that box so fast you won't have time to check my ID! Get me in the game, coach! Well, they might be waiting 7,000 years, but apparently the turnout has only been around about 50%. Um, mm-hmm. So it's good to see that you know they've looked at us, John, and they have embraced Western-style democracy, which basically <laughs> involves sitting at home going, ah, they're all the same. <laughs> so who are the front-runners? Well, uh, there's uh, Mohamed Morsi from the Freedom and Freedom and Justice Party. That's the political prong of the Muslim Brotherhood. So it's essentially an Islamist party. Now, to us Westerners, the words... Islamist party provoke two reactions. One is, wow, how do I get an invite to that? That is going to be awesome. Or two, ah, we're doomed. Ah, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure a president from an Islamic party that's already been accused of trying to exploit its democratic power to exert a political stranglehold will be absolutely fine. Please, please make it fine. Bring back the f***ing pharaohs. Of course, uh, Hosni Mubarak was ousted uh, 15, 15 months ago, and very much an old-school leader. Um, and uh, it, I think we talked about this on the Bugle uh, a while ago, but what the WikiLeaks showed that America thought of Hosni Mubarak, they, they saw him as a flawed leader, but a valuable ally. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the people of Egypt saw him as a, a little more than flawed, if I can read the <laughs> subtext of his current trial for... Murder and, and fraud. <laughs> now, the people of Egypt clearly thought of him as slightly more than flawed, if I'm correctly reading the subtext of his current trial for murder and corruption. So I guess America viewed Mubarak, John, very much 
as you and I would view being smashed in the face with a toy hippo. Not <laughs> ideal. Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> could have been smashed in the face with a real hippo, or perhaps even a real hippo carrying an anvil. And um, it'll be interesting to see how these new leaders shape up, you know, whether it'll be a genuine break from the past, uh, one of his government is running, and uh, it potentially could get to the second round runoff. Um, and Mubarak himself, of course, a very old school leader and was very slow to react to the new forces that have been unleashed when the revolution kicked off uh, a year and a bit ago. When it all kicked off, he gathered his cabinet around him and said, right, has anyone got any ideas? And as all Egyptian leaders uh, have done, and this cabinet, uh, someone in his cabinet said, uh, pyramid? Yeah, pyramids. Let's, uh, <laughs> they, they, seem, they seem pretty angry this time. We, we better make it <laughs> pointy. <laughs> the, the Egyptians are very, very new to democracy, Andy, so it's not right to expect that this will go perfectly straight away. It's like watching a child's first steps. It's bound to be clumsy at first, and everyone's going to be so busy trying to film it, they might not be paying enough attention to stop the child falling and slamming their head <laughs> into the side of a table. That could well happen here. Now, there are 13 candidates for the Egyptians to choose from, four current frontrunners, and if none of them wins more than 50% of the vote, a runoff will be held on the 16th and the 17th of June. Uh, the quirk there is that it will actually be a runoff. The two top candidates <laughs> will race each other across 100 metres dressed up as pyramids, and the winner becomes the president. Like I said, they're pretty new to this, Andy, and they tend to take terms like runoff quite literally. <laughs> um, one of the other frontrunners uh, is Ahmed Shafiq, a former commander of the Air Force, who served as Prime Minister under Mubarak for a month during the protests last year. Uh, his campaign flyers call him the only civilian administrative presidential candidate who has real and successful administrative experience. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he might want to work on that slogan a bit, Andy. That's about as catchy as a John Cale jingle. <laughs> isn't, isn't that what Ronald Reagan got in, in uh, <laughs> 1980? Uh, Shafiq has has also been criticised for working for Mubarak for so long, but he insists that he was always a voice of the opposition within Mubarak's regime. <laughs> Pretty f***ing quiet voice, that's for sure, Andy. <laughs> a barely audible voice at all. Almost a voice that was waiting until Mubarak was leaving the room and then saying, you need to resign and <laughs> free of fair elections. Uh, I'm sorry, what's that? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. So I've just got a weird cold, that's all. <laughs> All the candidates will compete in a formal wear and swimwear competition before singing a medley of Michael Jackson songs, then each cooking a meal from a bag of 16 random ingredients before a national phone vote decides the winner. Like I said, they are new to this, Andy. <laughs> They're new to it. Uh, early reports are that the two days of voting passed off uh, peacefully. And election monitors seem happy so far. One American election monitor said, we don't know who will win in this election. We don't know whether there will be a runoff. But as one observer of other elections too, like Tunisia, I must say that this process for the last five days since I've been in Egypt was enormously impressive and a tribute to the people of Egypt. Ouch! Take that, Tunisia! <laughs> little little passive-aggressive jab there from the election monitors. Uh, Tunisia actually released an official response saying, Hey! Hey! Can't we all just be happy for Egypt without dragging us into this? F***ing hell! <laughs> On the, on the second day of voting, Musa and Shafiq exchanged angry remarks, catfighting all day and each claiming that the other one is losing badly and should pull out immediately. And I was watching this with a tear in my eye, Andy, thinking, they're getting it. They're getting it. 
they're taking to democracy like a duck to boiling water. <laughs> it's like releasing a seal pup into the wild and watching it as it takes its first shuffling waddle steps towards the water before immediately being mauled by a polar bear. You're just so proud and then so horrified and then so proud again. The, the candidates have tight spending restrictions. They're each allowed to spend no more than 10 million Egyptian pounds on campaigning in the first round, which is about 1.6 million US dollars, and then only 2 million Egyptian pounds in the second round, which is just over $300,000. That's just adorable, Andy. <laughs> US candidates are going to spend that amount on balloons alone. <laughs> that, that is the first thing these Egyptians are going to have to work on. Get rid of those campaign finance restrictions. It's not about how much you can afford. It's about how much businesses to whom you'll be compromisingly indebted for your entire time in office can afford. That's just how it works. <laughs> but Mitt Romney could get rid of that entire budget in one bout of urination. Exactly. Exactly. President Obama and Baron Mittington Romney will each have raised over $1 billion in campaign funds by the time the election comes around. So, to put it mildly, Egypt has a long way to go before they can compete with that kind of democratic dick swinging. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, John, that, you know, this seems quite a close-run election and uh, Mubarak, of course, was overthrown. That does not bode well for the, whoever becomes the new president. Because you think back at the last presidential election in 2005, John, Mubarak, the supposedly unpopular despot, polled an amazing 88.6% of the wow. vote. Wow. That shows how popular he was, John. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, in second place was Ayman Noor, with a disappointing 7.3%. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to be in it yeah. to win it. Well, he, he must have run a very solid campaign, Mubarak. That's, <laughs> I mean, it was disappointing, given that the previous time, in a straight referendum on his leadership, he had 93.8% in favour of him. So... <laughs> There you go. Who, whoever the new president is, Andy, he or she, just joking, he <laughs> will have a smorgasbord of shit to wade through on their first day in office, as they will inherit a legacy of corruption, poverty, rampant unemployment and security problems, as well as the fact that it won't be clear what powers the president actually has, as the constitution has not been fully written yet. The only thing all parties seem to be able to agree on is that presidential powers should definitely be curtailed to prevent, you know, another Mubarak-like nutcase coming into <laughs> office for the next 70 years, sitting on his power like a chicken on a massive egg full of massive tanks. <laughs> and the other problem is that, as one journalist wrote, the sternest test for Egypt's fledgling democracy may turn out to be not the voting process itself, but the business of persuading Egyptians to accept the result, even if they don't like it. Because that truly is the biggest lesson for any democracy, Andy. <laughs> when you live under a dictator, you get used to him kicking you in the balls. Under democracy, you have to get used to half your own population kicking you in the balls <laughs> instead. Thanks for listening, Buglers. Go tell a friend about the show and or leave a review and or a nice comment somewhere, anywhere. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.